Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 265 of that podcast. We still haven't uh, decided on what we're going to name it, and you didn't send us any suggestions. So I think it's going to be a TP trio meeting of the minds, and we'll just come up with something over maybe a nice warm beverage and make a decision. Does that sound good? Let's do it. Sounds like we'll have to do that. I think that's what we're going to do. I like it. All right. Uh, do, I have a, do I have a second? Second. All right. We'll, All in favor, say aye. I'm on. Aye. Aye. I think it's carried. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. Next week, maybe we, we might, might have, have a name. <laughs> we might have a title by next week. No promises. <laughs> All right. Well, this week, uh, past week, we talked about the value of acceptance. And Ken started out with an idea of acceptance flows out of love. Of course, that's building on last week's value of love and message that indifference may be the biggest obstacle to love. And if we can't love, I'm pretty sure we can't accept. Did I get that part right? It makes it a lot harder. It does make it a lot. Okay, I was pretty sure. I was pretty sure that's what the problem was. So I'm starting to see a pattern of maybe these are all intertwined somehow. That's why they're there. Is that? I mean, am I on the right path? I feel like you've been paying attention, Randy. I'm oh. really proud of you. Yeah, I was you know? say you're really, really on. This yeah, thing. you know, I, I've been trying to keep up, and so I just want to make sure I'm not falling behind. I really thought it was smart, maybe brilliant. To break things down into the three obstacles because it's like you can tell me what I'm supposed to do, but if you tell me what to watch out for, I think that makes it easier, right? It makes it easier to figure out if I see this, oh, red flag, red flag or caution, maybe you're going down the wrong road. And you started out with, and I'm just like, wow, this is going to be another gut punch. <laughs> and I'm just like, it, it's going to because it has to be. If these are the flags and it's like acceptance, I'll accept you when – and it's like, oh, so this is this brought immediately, as soon as you said it, there was two people that popped into my head. And the whole conversation that has existed probably since the beginning of Christianity and since we started people started following Jesus was we gotta die to self. If you watched The Chosen this last week, episode six, and Mary's like I didn't oh, oh, oh. Spoiler alert. Okay, so watch it. And I, I want to watch it. I've just I've, have, I haven't had, the had time. a chance. So. I got you. Okay, so no spoilers, but man, episode six worked into this so well. <laughs> so I'm going to wipe out everything I was going to talk about there. All right. Sorry. <laughs> but, now we're down to 10 minutes. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we just cut our time. In You're there. welcome, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> but Ken, you said this is the notion that a person who is not worthy of your love, your acceptance, or a relationship with you until they change something you find objectionable about them. Oh, boy, that's a wide open one. God is not that way. Why do you believe this personally? Because I think we can we can talk about Bible verses, but a lot of times people just want to know, what is it about that belief in you? Or what, what brings that belief into you that you truly believe and that's the way you want to be, whether you're good at it or not? I guess I believe that because I see it all throughout the Bible. If Jesus would have just have chosen none of his disciples if they had to have met a certain standard prior to him choosing them. You That's know what true. I mean? I mean, yeah. if if they'd had to have all the imperfection worked out of their life, I, I suppose the one maybe perhaps um, thing was that he said, come follow me. So I suppose they had the choice not to. And then, hmm. but um, but I still don't think that, that equals non-acceptance, except on their part. Oh, um, yeah, okay. So, and then the other part is that it's, it's amazing how as you mature i think a sign of a mature christian and so if if this isn't you i <laughs> i apologize i'm not trying to pick on anybody but i think a sign of a mature christian is being able to look at their life and realize how imperfect they really are 
I think that sometimes when you're early in your Christian experience, you have an overinflated opinion of how good you are and how lucky God is to have you as a follower. Um, whereas I think the longer you go with Jesus, the more you think, wow, Jesus, I can't believe how fortunate I am that you accept me mm, yeah. um, as I am right now and accepted me in the first place. That uh, the, the quality that we're going to talk about, not this week, but next, of grace— that favor that we don't deserve that we get from God. And I, I just think the further I go, the more I feel just blessed that God loves me in spite of me and accepts me in spite of me. You know, there's so much about that that um, I think resonates with so many people today because we get stuck. We get stuck in ourselves most of the time. You know, that we, we get caught up in the whole idea of matching up or comparing and when we see acceptance, especially you know, as we see Christ accepting us, what a freedom it is for us to all of a sudden become unstuck from ourselves and some of our own. We're, we're actually some of our worst. We're, we're our worst enemy at times because we tend to create all sorts of barriers. Yeah. Um, even you know, even coming to Christ, we we create barriers for ourselves and obviously for other people as well. But when we see that acceptance, that just um, unconditional acceptance of who we are, it frees us up to actually be who we were always meant to be and, and get unstuck from some of these things that we create. Well, one of the things I want to know is you, as you go through counseling with somebody or a, like a couple that would you know maybe struggle with this whole I'll accept you when because it has to come up in, mm-hmm. in that kind of a situation as well. Are there any simple tools or is there anything that someone can go, oh, I, I – I have this preconceived notion or I have this thing that I've built up over time because either I haven't communicated it properly that I have, you know, an issue with this or whatever. Is there anything or is there a, is there a book? Is there something that we can give somebody <laughs> that's like, hey, if you read this, it might not answer all your questions, but it might give you something to work off of that. Actually, Ken mentioned uh, a particular uh, marriage class that he went through. One of the things, one of the books that they read is – well, I'm trying to think of the author, but it's Finding the Love You Want. And uh, it is a book uh, from that, that course. Yeah, I believe it's Getting the Love Get, You Want. Yeah, getting it's Getting the, the Love, love yeah. You Want. Okay. Getting the Love You Want. But I think one of the things, and we've said this before, is being able to see the other person and try to see their life through their eyes. In other words, try to find some way to empathize with who they are, trying to get God's eyes, so to speak, on this on this issue. Because... It is hard because sometimes the ones that hurt you the most are the ones that are closest to you. And um, yeah. Okay. Fine. Getting the love you want. But it is Harville Hendricks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, um, we are passing technology at the table. We're, we're, we're getting things done right there. So I'll put a link to the show notes uh, yeah. today. So if you're interested in looking at that book, then we'll, we'll have that resource yeah. available. It's a really good book. I mentioned a book in my sermon that I, I really highly recommend, which is Leadership and Self-Deception. Jeff, have you read the book? Mm, I don't think I've read it, no. That, I've heard um, of it. It's a fantastic book. And the best part is that for those of you who don't like reading, you'll enjoy this book because oh, it's actually nice. it's an allegory rather than just being a – sometimes the self-help books can be <laughs> a little thick trying to get through them and yeah. you feel a little lost. But this one is – it tells a story and the story okay. explains – explains this concept and and basically the the bottom line is it's talking about how we 
how we take people and we put them inside of a box, whether it's a spouse, a coworker, or a child. We put them inside this little box, and and then we judge everything they do by that. And if they if if we say you know you're you're a selfish person, that's the box I'm putting. You're a selfish person. You're a needy person. And anytime they do something that's selfless or they do something that that we we merit that as not being them, they say, well, that's not them. That's that, and then we shove them back into that selfish box. And so, the book is excellent about talking about how we can get out of the way. And the author? And uh, it's uh, it's called the Arbinger Institute. It's it's oh, not a person, not a per- okay. in, that, or at least they don't give a person credit. It's <laughs> written by the Arbinger Institute, and truly a great book, I think, on on acceptance on. Giving people the freedom to be human, cool. uh, you know, we all want the freedom to be human ourselves, right? We yeah. all we all understand that we do things that are irrational, that that don't make sense, even to ourselves at times, and yet we want to be loved in spite of that. We want to be accepted in in spite of that. It's easy. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe it's not easy. I mean, like you said, we're a lot of times our own worst critics. We're probably. I know speaking personally, sometimes self-speak is probably as degrading and as powerfully just pushing down than anything anyone else could say. So I think there's a component of that in this that people that maybe don't have it together for themselves or haven't been able to somehow wiggle in a little positive self-speak for themselves, I think it find it more difficult to to do this with others, obviously, if, if it's not something you're good at for yourself, it's going to be hard to, to give it to somebody else. I think that's insightful, Randy. I do but, think that sometimes the people who have the hardest time accepting others are the ones who haven't really accepted themselves and said um, the ones who struggle to earn love and, and to be feel like they are being accepted by others. I think that's a I think that's a really good insight. But that makes it harder then, right? Because I know personally the parts of me that I'm the most critical of – are also the points seemingly that others have the most difficulty in like, oh, man, if that guy would just not do this, <laughs> you know, they would just not do that. And I, I feel like, you know, and that's analyzing someone and it's probably judging. But when you think about the people last week, you asked us about people that we didn't respect or that we had trouble with. And I, I kind of brought those two together this week in thinking, Maybe that's part of why I feel that way about this other person is maybe they're not the most confident, self-confident person that they could be. I mean, and and that's a lot to throw on somebody. But you almost get some of those feelings from people that maybe aren't as confident. And I feel like for those – and maybe that's just a personal bias of mine that less confident people are probably the people I have the most difficulty with. I don't know. It just – to me, it just made it seem like this makes it more of a – more of a challenge – I think to do uh, to overcome. I think we all have our um, the people that we find hard to accept. The, what you're saying for me doesn't doesn't ring for me. Right. Um, for me, I, there's a different type of person that I find hard to okay yeah ar- feel fair. hard to deal with. And, and I've just noticed that we all, uh, you know, I have somebody that, that annoys me greatly in my life. I'm sorry, Ken. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> uh, anyway, and nobody in this room. But there's uh, there's somebody that I find, but you know that that person is the most amazing person at working with people that I'm not good at working with, I, and I, I've noticed that. Like, I there are people that I just, and that person they are so amazing at working with that group of people, and I really have come to really realize that while I feel annoyed by that person, man, I need to accept them. 
firstly because Jesus accepted me, but also because they have a real ministry that they do that, right. that yeah. isn't one that I could do. Also, there's there's people in transition all the time. I mean, we are yeah. we are a dynamic group, right? Yeah, we don't think of people a lot of times the way that they transition in life, and sometimes if you just give somebody a a chance to grow a little bit, and maybe if they give us a chance to, to grow, grow, I mean, wow. nobody wants to be identified by you know a certain relationship or experience or. You know, and obviously we get you know we get to be able to walk alongside of people and start to realize, much like your story with Paul and Barnabas, actually, where Paul changed his mind. It was it was we need to give people that. I think that's part of acceptance sure. as well, is through time. I think Paul changed his mind, but I, I disagree with you on, <laughs> on, on that on that only because. I mean, I don't know how hard he dissed him. Just be like, yo, Mark, you suck. You can't come with us. You know, I mean, did he really pound him down or did he just be like, <laughs> hey, the, here's the invitation to Mark, whips it up and throws it in the water? Because, you know, sometimes people are not ready for the task at hand. And maybe Paul was not the person to make Mark the person that he became later on. But that, but where I would agree with you is that Paul also, depending on how he did it, should have said, hey, you can't come with us. But here's somebody that can mentor you to realize that, hey, maybe here's someone that takes short day trips. You don't want to go with us for three months and, you know, the food stinks, the water's dirty, and there's no place to sleep except the ground. Welcome aboard. And so maybe there's that part where we have to stay open. But like right now, we just need to – if like if it's not our time for that person to be with us, can we please just not drop them alongside the road like – like their trash and make sure that they get where they're going and they have like you realize they have talent. Let's help promote that. Let's mentor them. I think it's so interesting that the two <laughs> personalities that you have involved here, Barnabas's name actually means son of encouragement. Oh, really? It okay. does. And and one of the, the fascinating things about Barnabas is that he was – I just – you picture the person that's super sunny, sees the best in everybody, um, you know, is very positive. And I, that's the picture that we get of Barnabas in, yeah. the, in the Bible. And, and that's not the picture that I get of Paul as, no. I, as, I, as I read through the Bible. <laughs> that's true. And so I think that you – I think you have a point that perhaps Paul wasn't the right person to be mentoring uh, John Mark. But I think that what – where I would take Paul a little bit to task, and I know that's pretty presumptuous of myself, but to take Paul to task a little bit on this is that he was willing to sacrifice an entire friendship on this particular thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. And, you know, it would have been one thing for him to say to Barnabas, hey, look, John Mark just, you know— <laughs> He's not cutting it. He, he's not <laughs> cutting it or even I'm not the right person right, yeah. to be to be taking on. But it's not that he doesn't have worth. right. Or that he's worthless. It's just that I I might not have the patience. And a lot of times, when we have issues with people, we blame them for our own personal issues. Yeah, the things that we're actually de- struggling with in our own life. And I think I'm just glad that Barnabas didn't take the tact with with John Mark. That sorry, bud, you blew it once. It's over. And now we're not going to really give you another chance. You're going to need to do something different. And I, and again, I do find it amusing beyond belief that Paul is Has to kind back. of whinily being <laughs> like, can you please send John Mark because he's useful to me? I mean, yeah, it's just afterwards. So I don't know. I just do find that 
one of the more amusing things. Well, in I'd Paul's like to life. think that we'd be able to do that, though. That if it's especially if throw out work and jobs and things of that nature, but even at church, if someone has a gift and it's like we need to be able to say maybe this isn't your place right now, or maybe we need to work into it. Let's mentor. Let's find out what you're good at doing. Those kinds of things. But just to, like you said, at the end, also be able to go, man, uh, you know what? He was whiny. Do you remember that little whiny punk <laughs> the first time we went out? But, man, do I love it. And to be able to go back and say the next time, hey, can you send him? And then when he gets there, I'd like to think Paul said, man, it's good to see you. Yeah. And uh, I know you're going to be helpful. So whatever bygones we have, let them be bygones and let's work together. Yeah. And I would just like to see – I think that – I think that our default is to not give people the benefit of the doubt. Absolutely. And I and I would rather see our default be to give people the chance and potentially open ourselves up for hurt and frustration. I just think that sometimes we're way too quick to say, you messed up once, I'm not going to deal with you again, oh, rather absolutely. than saying, hey, look, everybody makes mistakes. Let's try again. Let's try again. Let's try again. And 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 be accepting of where people are at. And yeah, they're absolutely. You know, as a summer camp director, when I was summer camp directing, there are there are some people <laughs> that were just not going to be cut out to be a counselor or to to be in charge of a certain area. And, but it was also amazing to me how many times when I was forced to take a chance because there was nobody available, and I thought, well, I'm going to have a really tight leash on this person and see how it goes. How many times those people really did rise to the challenge and, yeah. and surprise me and actually become some of my most valuable people? So just don't just don't label somebody. Be careful. Yeah. Be, careful. Yeah, be careful. Everyone I, needs a chance. I think it has a lot to do with being known because a lot of times what we what we are known for sure. <laughs> is different than than somebody actually giving us a chance to really truly get to know to us. Really, yeah. yeah. No, that's true. That's true. All right. The next one was agreement and uh, we're going to have to go a little bit quicker through the rest of these. But this is probably the most difficult and I loved your explanation and maybe the way I've heard it best explained because I hadn't thought of it necessarily in these terms. You said if we look at our definition, we will understand as Jesus did that acceptance does not mean agreement. Oh, boy. We love Mm. as is friends who struggle with lust politicians who are arrogant, children who are jealous of their siblings, parents who can never seem to quit working because they never have enough stuff, siblings who gossip, religious leaders who've had bad tempers, co-workers who eat the good food we brought for us out of the company refrigerator, and dogs, (laughs) cats, and other pets that are just lazy. The truth is love covers a multitude of sins. So when we find ourselves having a hard time accepting, we are really having a hard time loving. Doggone it, I thought that was the case. And then you said, be honest with yourself. And I'm like, maybe that's the whole thing is is being honest with ourselves. Is that the key to everything you just said there? Because that just plug people in that have done those things to you or people that you know. I mean, politicians, that's just I mean, come on, that's shooting fish in a barrel. But, any, you know, the rest <laughs> of them take the easy out there. <laughs> <laughs> you you kind of did. But the rest of them, I'm like, you know, you can, you can find someone that's done one of those or been one of those people in your lives. Well, but I see this. Okay, but can I say this though? The same yeah. people who vehemently despise Barack Obama can't understand why there are people that vehemently despise Donald Trump. And I'm not here to <laughs> no. go ahead and talk about the merits of either no, person. I get you. 
But isn't it interesting how we can just absolutely adore one politician and have no idea why somebody would adore a politician on the opposite side of things? Yeah. And and we accept, you know, when Barack Obama do, does X, Y, or Z that we that we don't, wouldn't normally agree with. We well, that's you know, that's because oh, I course. love Barack. That's okay. Or when Donald Trump does X, Y, or Z, we're like, well, but. But, you know, his yeah. heart's in the right place. Of course it is. Yeah. And, and so we always make the excuse for the person that we care about, that we love, that we idolize, that mm. we look up to. Mm. Whereas when we don't love somebody, there's sometimes very little that they can do. That would ever. That would ever <laughs> help us accept <laughs> exactly. them. Exactly. No, and I think that's being honest with, again, my, my personal biases and my ideas of what is right, wrong, or indifferent. And – I'm like, if if the answer is that we, in order to even see this as we don't have to agree, if we have to be honest with ourselves to 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 say I can accept you if I don't agree with you, then I have to almost be honest with myself to say I'm going to have to do this, even though like their views on X, Y, and Z are so far away from mine, and these are like deeply held, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, political, religious. I mean, we, you know, the two things you don't talk about with friends. These are the kinds of things that if we're not being honest with ourselves, do we have a possibility to ever be past this? Because I think agreement has to be we know what we're – where these lie and we have to be able to just look past those. And for too many people, that's really, really hard. And I really honestly think that's the issue we're having in our society with cancel culture today. We cancel yeah. people out. We, we you know, You say something that's boneheaded. And immediately we're done. You're done. You're done. We there's yeah. no sense of, and there is a time and a place to say that's really inappropriate, and there needs to be a timeout or something. But we're way, way too quick to to write people out of our lives just because we're not in agreement with yeah. a philosophy or an opinion or or something that we have become more enlightened on. It's yeah. easy to to run down that road quick because you can get you can get allies so quick now. Oh yeah. It, before we would always, you know, kind of weigh our words so to speak, but now you can say someone pretty pretty inflammatory. Pretty and yeah, pretty pretty out there and <laughs> you have a following just like that. And it's too bad because I do think we do need to play the game of you know, my son, when he was three years old, he was asking why about everything, right? Sure. And I do think we need, being honest with yourself is really critical these days before you even say something. Why am I saying this? Why is this resonating with me even? Sure. Then when you get to that point, ask again. Then why is that important to me? And then ask again because you really need to boil it down to a real honest subject. Objective, because you are subjective. Sure, real yeah. honest, subjective viewpoint that you have that's at the base, a motivation of all of this. Because I don't think none of us go down that route. We say it, and we then find ways to double down. Yeah, yeah. I got thrown in Twitter jail about six months ago because I hey actually said you guys are arguing on the left, you're arguing on the right, and the rest of us that are somewhere in the middle are out here just going, you know, don't don't. I don't want to cancel you, and I don't want to cancel you. I would prefer everything be out there because I really want to know what you think. And if I don't agree with it or if it's inflammatory, I also want to know that maybe some of the other things you might come out with, you know, I need to be I need to be setting like parameters for myself. So I'd rather know who those people are. And they're just like, touchung, you're in jail. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, I was trying to take the center road on that one. I guess I still got 
I no. No love. No love. No love. All right. Destructive behavior was the last one. And Trofina, of course, asked this question on last week's podcast and during the loop last week. And we dove into it a little bit. And I like your definition this time. You said acceptance does not mean we do not have boundaries and that bad behavior does not have consequences. I think we talked about that last week. But what it does mean is that boundaries and consequences are always in the context of love and redemption. And that always in the context of love and redemption that is beautiful, and I think that's missing a lot in our Christian speak because we assume that you know that. I, I don't know why we would assume that, but we assume that you know that because I never, I never got that before. But we might think of love and redemption as only warm and fuzzy, but boundaries and consequences don't sound warm and fuzzy. So where do these link, <laughs> where do these link up? How do we have those and still maintain that, even though the person that we are putting those boundaries on might not see it that way, but how do we do it the most loving way that hopefully they do catch our, at least catch our meaning? They may not agree with it, but maybe they at least can understand where we're coming from. You know, Randy, I really don't worry that much about whether, I mean, let me say this as gently as I can. I really don't worry that much about whether they're going to understand it is not okay. or not. And the reason I say that is there are people who are boundary pushers. In other words, that they have no regard Oh, right, for right. for boundaries, they will manipulate. They will argue with you. They will tell you what a mean person you are for having that boundary. How could you? You're hurtful. You're mean. You're you're you know. Yeah. So what I really worry about a lot more is asking myself: Am I being loving? Am I being kind? And try to have that honesty. Is is what I'm doing out of love or is it out of spite? And, and that can sometimes it can be very hard to be honest with yourself about that, but you know I think back I, I think in uh, second service I used the illustration of of my my brother that went through a really difficult time when he was going through that difficult time we put some boundaries in my wife and I did for for him and uh, he wasn't appreciative of them sure yeah. and however after we got through that difficult time one of the things he said is Ken Rochelle you guys had some of the best boundaries, and now I, I really have come to appreciate mm. what you did. And I would love to tell you that they were always made out of love and kindness, but they weren't. But there came a point where there was a shift in my life, and I really think there was a shift in my relationship with Chris when I was able to actually find those boundaries out of love and compassion as opposed to anger and punitive measures to teach him a lesson. So, sure. you know— and and so I think that when we when we put boundaries up, we we shouldn't be surprised when the people who are breaking them get upset about it, and when they don't think it's fair, when they think it's mean. I think we sometimes want that person to agree with us that the boundary is okay, but if they had thought it was okay, they probably would have followed it in the first place. They yeah. probably wouldn't have stepped over the line to begin with had they thought it was okay. Um, and so advocating for yourself and saying, no, this isn't okay behavior. It isn't, doesn't mean I do not love you. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things to say to the person. Say, this isn't that I do not care for you or that I do not accept you. It's just that what you're doing is destructive. Yeah. Or it's not, it is hurting our relationship. And therefore, I need for that to stop in order for me to continue on in this particular course. That doesn't mean I don't want to have a relationship with you. But what it does mean is that until you are able to live within these boundaries, we're going to need to operate in this this context. You, you know, I used the the idea of an, of an abusive father who's who's verbally abusive, and uh, and so every time you get on the phone with them, it's just 
anger and rage and, and you're a loser, you're this, you're that, and so on and f- so forth. It's not unloving to say I'm not going to go ahead and allow myself to be subjected to that. But I do think that the loving boundary is to say, but I'm not going to close the door to you changing to yeah. the idea that you could be different. And that means that I will send you a card at Father's Day, and I will send you a letter here and there, and I might try to call you every so often Yeah, yeah. and and keeping it short and tight um, where it's not in as soon as it goes in that direction, I've got to go. I'm sorry. But all that being said is we keep our hearts open to a relationship rather than closing them off and saying, no, you're you're a complete loser and you can never change. You can never be anything other than this destructive person that you're being right now. And that's just a lot easier said than done. No. Yeah, there's no roadmap for making that. Uh, and it kind of plays into what's be. coming on this Saturday when we're I'm going to be talking about forgiveness. I'm about to go film a little promo here in a couple minutes. Uh with you and uh, and your crew, uh, and and the way I envision the promo going is, I want to say, uh, be sure to be at church this Saturday morning when I give you three easy steps to forgive anybody of anything. Ooh, not well, we'll but I'll still be talking about, about forgiveness. forgiveness. <laughs> Hope to see you there. I mean, there's no, yeah. there's anybody who tries to tell you there's three easy steps to anything. Now is selling you something that's not real. This kind of stuff takes work. It's hard. It's never easy. And in the case of destructive personalities, sometimes it's very, very helpful uh, when you're in those situations to, to find a professional counselor yeah. to bounce these. What am I doing? Do, I, mean, I want to be loving. I want to be kind. But I, I'm having a hard time being honest with myself. Help me. Everything about this that. is being honest with ourselves yeah. because that's where our boundaries are going to come in, whether they're initially out of love, right. 100 percent. Sometimes the boundaries just have to be put down, even if they're punitive and they come from the wrong place because it's our – it's being honest with ourselves to say this is affecting me negatively. Mm-hmm. And whether I'm giving you this out of the right, wrong, or indifferent reason, maybe once those boundaries are established, maybe then we can work on me being more loving and them and me more understanding you, you more understanding me. Maybe we come to like you and Chris, you talk – you know, like yeah. maybe we come to this like, hey – this really was helpful, and you can say, I'm sorry when these didn't come from a place of love, but I had to start somewhere, right. and I can't – so I'm asking for your forgiveness, and yeah. we're being honest. And there's one thing that I just you – know, this episode has taken a completely different turn than what I thought, and I'm just throwing away the rest of whatever I had thought about talking about. And we had a conversation here last week yeah, outside the podcast and about acceptance and about someone whose sin we would have a hard time accepting. And whether or not a sin, you know, can we call this a sin? Should we not call it a sin? Can I still accept you if I believe what you're doing is sinning? And I'm like, well, we have to, right? Because does it matter if it's called a sin? We all, we all sin. So it doesn't matter what your sin is. But how do we find that acceptance when those people have always been marginalized? And we were talking specifically about people that were LBGTQ, gay, different things like that, where they're going to say maybe, and you know, we've if you have, I have a lot, have met a lot of gay people. I have gay friends, and a lot of people have said, "Well, I know it's a sin because it says it's in the Bible. I'm a Christian. I know it's a sin, but you're still not going to accept me because you think it's a sin." And I've said, "Well, I know my sins." I use I use horrible language sometimes. I do a lot of things I shouldn't. And I know those are all sins. It says so in the Bible. I haven't been able to stop sinning yet, and God isn't done with me, and I'm, I know he's not done with you. How do we address those 
those acceptance issues where there are people we might want to include in our lives, in our church life, in our church community that might feel like it would never be okay for them to be a part of our community because, again, sins on the outside are difficult for people to handle. I just think I'd say this. I think that if we're going to follow Jesus' example, Jesus was the king of the marginalized. Mm. I like that. Uh, the out the the people that society made an outsider, the the people that that society wouldn't accept. Jesus repeatedly goes out of his way to be in relationship with them, and if we define acceptance, is if we define it, yeah, as loving as is, if that's what acceptance is, that's what Jesus was doing with everyone. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, you know, we love to slap the the label of sinner on groups of people. The fact of the matter is that we're all sinners. <laughs> we're a, all sinners in need of a Savior. That's the one label we can all wear. Um, I know that there are people that will argue about whether this is a sin or that's a sin or sure. whatever. I find it's a lot more effective to let God convict people sure. of what's sin in their life than can. And I know that's strange for a pastor to say. No, I get it. Um, because we're supposed to talk about sin and don't do this and don't do that. But I I find that the words of that old hymn are true. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, and the things of earth will become strangely dim. And, and my belief is that by me inviting people to meet Jesus, that Jesus sorts out the issues in their life that need to be sorted out in the order in which they need to be sorted out that Ken has mm. no idea about. Right. And so that's, that's where I feel like um, it's an easy thing to say, well, if you as a Christian believe that certain things are a sin, then I'm not going to accept you because you believe that. And it's easy to say as a Christian, well, if you're doing this kind of sin, then I'm not going to – that thing that I believe to be sin, then I'm not going to accept you. From the Christian side of things, that's just not the biblical example. Right. Jesus was a friend of sinners. I was just reading in Luke 15. The priests and Pharisees are accusing Jesus of fraternizing with sinful people. And Jesus goes out of his way in three parables, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and the parable of the two lost sons, if you're a fan of Tim Keller. That's what Tim Keller calls it. But Jesus goes out of his way to point out that we have to be around – we have to be in relationship with each other, that we're not here to – stand aloofly like the older brother in the story of the uh, of the lost son or yeah. sons, to stand aloofly off and wait for the, the, the younger son to come home. But rather, it's our job to be out searching for that younger son and saying, hey, dad misses you and wants to be in a relationship with you. It's just a fascinating thing that when the son comes home, the father doesn't run through a checklist of, okay, well, have you given up this? Have you given up that? Have you given up... He just welcomes him home and says, I'm glad you're back here and in relationship with me. And we can we can believe that Jesus changes lives, or we can believe that Ken and Randy change lives. <laughs> and I, I believe it's Jesus who changes lives. Ken, well, I don't know about Ken. I, I don't know why I was going to start with you, but I know Randy hasn't changed his own life as well as he would like to think. And he's still waiting for and working with God to do all the changes that need to be done. So to think that it would be any more expeditious to put that onto somebody else and fix their problems somehow 
with something I could say just doesn't seem logical to me. And after we had that conversation, it's been ruminating with me all week. And as we were preparing for this, it was just acceptance. And it's so important that people know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're accepted. And if they're, if we're, and we already talked about if we're accepting and that means we love them. And so to know if you walked in someplace and you needed a tribe and you could walk into whole life church and know that you were loved and that you were accepted no matter yeah. what, I think that uh, and that agreement component is the biggest holdback right now in our society because what we want people to say again <laughs> is we want people to say if you're in agreement with me, then we can be friends. Yep. Then we can yep. be in relationship. And what that does is when we don't do that, when when we say mm, you pretty much have to have voted the same way I voted, you have to believe the same way I I believe on all these different issues. We close down the possibility of relationship with the vast majority of the population. And and what it does is it leaves us bereft of any diversity in our life that could help us grow. And and not not even to speak of the people that we think we could help grow with with our influence. But it just really troubles me that within the church and outside the church, this is a growing trend that unless we are in agreement, we can't be friends. Right, we no. can't have a relationship. And I and I hate you. And I hate you. Somehow and I hate you for yeah. for disagreeing with <sighs> me on this topic. And and I think it's just a shame. It's just a shame because my life is richer because I have friends who are atheists. Sure. Yeah. It's richer, be- not because I agree with them. I don't. Right. But my life is richer because they're a part of my life and because they share their viewpoints with me. And I have the opportunity to share some of my viewpoints in a kind and loving way without the expectation that if if I say something that's wrong, yeah. you're going to suddenly cut me out. Yeah. You know, I had a, a – I think one of the most transformational moments in my life was having – a group of African-American pastors that I met with on a regular basis, and for me to be able to say things and ask questions and say things that I know at times they were they must have thought, man, this guy. Doesn't he know? <laughs> but they didn't throw me out. They simply right. loved me and cared for me, even if we didn't agree on everything. And in the end, one of the things that did for me was open my eyes to a whole new perspective on racial issues within this country, which if I had not been in relationship with those wonderful people, I would never have had that perspective. I would never have had that perspective. I would never have had the growth in my life that I needed to have. And so I think that it's important that we all recognize that we don't have to be in agreement with somebody to be their friend and to be in a relationship with them. It is not an endorsement of somebody else's views to be their friend. But it's also more than a label. Because to me, the problem also comes into, like you just mentioned, your life was enriched by those pastors. Growing up in the Midwest, being gay was definitely a crime. I mean, in in many places, it's still thought of that way outside and inside of the church. And the first person that I met that I knew and opened and talked about it, again, saying a lot of things that were probably completely not PC in the least bit because you don't know what you don't know until someone lets you know. And how can you know if you never have a conversation? And this person said, are you under the assumption that I'm gay because of what? Why why do you think I'm gay? And I'm like, I I have no idea. And he's like, do you you like getting beat up? 
you know, do you like do you like going to the ER? Do you like it that your church has excommunicated you? You can't go. Do you like it that none of your family members will talk to you anymore? Do you like would you like it if and he's all these things. And I'm like, he's like, you know, I, I don't know why anyone would choose to be this way because he's like, I am so frustrated with my life, but I know that I know who I am. And it just changed this. It changed my perspective not only of just someone that is going, well, it, it, this person was married, kids, and he's like, I've tried everything, and and I, it, you can insert any sin; it doesn't matter that it's that it's being homosexual. That I've tried everything, right? I've tried to go around this, I've tried to go this, I've talked to God about it, and He's working on me. But it, to me, it brought another sin that I didn't understand into perspective and changed my view of how I view people as just we're all sinners. It, to me, it doesn't matter because I found so much of myself in his story of ways that I had tried to fix myself in the sins that I knew I had. And having those conversations just are so critical to how you view life in general. And if he'd have never had that, he initiated the conversation with me. I didn't even have the guts at that point to do it myself. And I'm thankful for it. Wasn't that kind of him? It was very kind of him, and he accepted me even with the warts of <laughs> questions that were clearly inappropriate yeah. and and thoughts. And so I – to this day, I'll never forget Paul. I think it's, it's very easy for us to not even begin to understand the hurt and pain we inflict on people with the things that we don't understand <laughs> in the way that we say things. Um, and, and, and I think that uh, – that's the thing about acceptance. It creates vulnerability in our life for pain because when, you're, when your friend had the, the courage to talk to you about his experience and where he was at and everything, he opened himself up to being really hurt by you. Of course. Um, and, and, I had, and I had hurt him in the past. So how much more did that take to even start that conversation? Correct. And so for him to do that was, was a real courageous thing. Yeah, and, I, and I think that all of us – would do well to to think about that in, yeah. as we go about these conversations and and trying to to look at each other as the the children of a heavenly Father, Amen. and that we're all trying to figure it out, trying to figure out what what it is that God is wanting from us, what we are needing to do, and give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, there's uh, you know <laughs> absolutely one of my favorite quotes is uh, or kind of concepts that I've heard and I'm, and I'm about to not be able to name the person who did it, which who made it. So that's, that's not good. It'll come to me eventually, but you know, it's called the assumption of good intent. And so right. it's basically that the people in general are coming from a good place. place. They're yep. not, nobody's trying to generally trying to be deceitful. I mean, I guess I'm not that naive. Yes. There are people out there who try to lie <laughs> right. and stuff like that, but if you just go through life with this idea that the whole world is out there trying to get you and trying to lie to you and that people are completely and utterly disingenuous, that's just a great way to live a jaded, oh. uh, angry, unhappy, lonely, light, lonely life. Ooh, yeah. um, so uh, it's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm happy to be in, the, be in the good news business as opposed to the, the, <laughs> the, the reporting news business where, where uh, you did look for kind of the negative side of everything. That's it. All right. We are way over time, but these conversations are always on my heart because I know enough people that I interact with either through text, calls, online, social media 
that are continually struggling with how do I find acceptance is really what they're asking. There's an honesty with self that needs to happen on both sides. And these are tough conversations to have. And it just um, today it just kind of went that direction. And I'm just briefly going to ask, there was a whole life takeaway that asked, how do you struggle to accept? Which of the barriers to acceptance Ken spoke about are causing you to struggle and what do you need to do? And there's a ton of them we can all talk about. But if there was something specific or something that we talked about today that you'd like to chime in on, please do. And know you can remain anonymous. If you send me a text, 407-965-1607, there's purposefully no contact list associated with that number so that I do not, unless you, if you want to tell me who you are, happy to have an interaction with you. But if it's just, I need to get this off my chest and I want to send it, send it by text. I won't know who you are. You can remain anonymous. Obviously, you can always email podcast at wholelife.church. And even though we're way late on time, I really want to do, Ken, in, in the closing area of his message, he said, all who wish to enter the doors of whole life, all who wish to be loved as is, are not only welcome, but longed for at whole life. We echo Jesus' words, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest for your soul. As our Savior did, we will try to the best of our ability, I love that part, to the best of our ability to love you as is, trusting that in community, Jesus does his work of transformation on each of us. That that to me is beautiful. In, in so many ways, and whether we're perfect, well, we know we won't be perfect at it. We haven't been. We won't be. But gosh, we can try to be really, really good at it. And with God's help, who knows what we can accomplish together. And so, you know, we don't often ask for you to share the episodes on the podcast. But today, if you have someone that you've been thinking, hey, maybe they need some acceptance. Maybe they need to find their tribe. Why not make Whole Life Church their tribe? And so, you know, it's hard to, again, have these conversations, but maybe there's someone the Holy Spirit has been nudging in you for a while now. Maybe someone that you'd like to introduce to Jesus. Maybe invite them to church or to VBS. Maybe you have a Bible study or a home group that you that you take ownership of. And if you're not sure, just invite them by sending this episode of the podcast. And if you're listening and someone sent this to you, absolutely what Ken said this week, all who wish to enter the doors of whole life, all who wish to be loved, you're not only welcome, but you're longed for at whole life. And that is the truth. And so we would love to have you, and we would love to have you be a part of this community. So we're way over time. Thank you for indulging us. I I just really, this was a great conversation. Thank you to Ken, and Jeff had to take off a little bit early, but always the insight that he provides. So we'll be back next week with... Uh, shoot. Oh, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Yeah, you said it. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. It's here somewhere. Yeah, forgiveness. Forgiveness. And then after that's grace. And uh, then there's a couple more. But uh, I know one of the other things that my team would love for me to mention is that we have a series coming up, I believe, right after this series, after we get through all of our our values at Whole Life Church. Uh, it's, it's called Ask Anything. And so Ooh. I get to, you pick the topic and I preach on it. So... All right. Well, maybe start thinking. I mean, you know, start. I mean, you didn't send us anything for suggestions for the show. So in the show name. So we're gonna have to take care of that one. But this one, we're going to need some input. So definitely 407-965-1607 or podcast at wholelife.church. Send us your suggestions. And just because I get to do this every week, make them really, really good. Make them hard because this, (laughs) you know, help me help you is what I'm saying. Help, just, just help me. Okay. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Share this episode, invite that person. And if you need someone to, you know, go as your buddy, same numbers, email, call me. I'll go with you. 
And, yeah. and let's do it. Let's do it together and let's uh, let's be a place that people find acceptance. Let Randy know you want me to meet you at the door. I'll be there. Ah, excellent. Perfect. All right. Yep. There you go. All right, guys. Have a fantastic week.